what can HR professionals do when an employee is going to tell them that they cannot wear a mask at work because they have anxiety, they have panic attacks if they have a mask on, or what can they do if an essential business uh, employee say, well, I have a vulnerable parent or a vulnerable family member and I cannot come to work. Uh, in our conversation with Suzanne Lucas, it's very clear that a lot of the challenges linked to managing the COVID-19 crisis from an organizational or human resource point of view has fallen on the desk of HR managers. They have been simply overwhelmed with, firstly, all the differences, uh, all the different um, opinions and guidance that was ever-changing coming from authorities, but also all the rules and regulations they all of a sudden had to comply with, their organizations had to comply with. So I'm discussing this with Suzanne and the different questions, the different issues that HR uh, people had to face and are still facing actually going forward. And in our conversation, we also touch upon uh, what the world of work, this new normal is going to look uh, as of September 2020. How are we going to work? But I also ask her about the Black Lives Matter movement. So listen in to this conversation with Suzanne Lucas. She's also known as the evil HR lady. She is a writer. Her articles appear regularly on Inc.com, uh, and she's also a regular speaker. She holds workshops, and also she has a fantastic blog, the Evil HR Lady blog, and there you can find her regular articles and videos and also her weekly uh, video show where she tackles the most pressing, the most important HR issues that are of concern. So I highly recommend that you have a look at that. Welcome to another episode of the Work Life Hub podcast. Each week we bring you an inspiring guest to help you discover the new world of work and learn how your organization can reach its full potential. Thank you for tuning in and spending some time with us today. To find out more about the Work Life Hub, please go to www.worklifehub.com. So thank you very much, Suzanne, for uh, joining me today uh, on this podcast conversation. I'm so happy to, to have you. I am happy to be here. So let's uh, dive right in to COVID-19, spring 2020, um, the world just kind of ground to a halt and everything locked down. And as I just learned from you before the podcast conversation, the recording, that actually a lot of the responsibility for making this happen landed on the tables of HR professionals, right? Absolutely. I mean, when you think about all of the things that go into shutting down businesses and reopening businesses, that's where HR falls front and center. Um, HR is the ones who have to make sure you're complying with all laws and regulations. They're the ones that deal with employee concerns. They're the ones that make sure that people are being paid properly according to local laws. And um, when someone has concerns, if your business was essential or now if it's reopening and someone says, look, I don't feel comfortable coming into work, I'm high risk, or my spouse is high risk, or um, or the only way I can get there is to ride public transportation, I don't feel that that's safe, that falls on the lap of HR. And 
in normal times when you have a problem, it's something that someone has dealt with in the past. So there's a wealth of HR knowledge out there. You can ask a friend or a mentor or you can Google and there'll be an article written about it and you can figure out what the best practice is from there. With this, it's all new. We've never had a time where everything shuts down all at the same time. And we've never had a time where everything needs to open up and with all of these new rules about social distancing and masks and hand washing and all of those things, all of this is new and HR has to figure it out. Especially, um, you know, being in isolation, uh, I imagine, uh, you know, I spoke, for example, to large companies, how they were coping. And, and um, I, I learned from a number of the ones like SAP that they had these big um, cross-country, cross-department COVID-19 task forces. So you had a sense of support and community and, and, and peer learning, but those HR people that work in small businesses or maybe more rural areas, they must feel so isolated and such a heavy responsibility. Absolutely, because a lot of small businesses um, have one HR person or two, or actually a lot of small businesses have zero HR people. Um, and there isn't someone to lean on but one of the things that i've seen that has been really fantastic is the hr community as a whole reaching out to one another and really helping each other through this i've seen a lot of the online hr communities really blossom and work together with with each other to bounce ideas and to share what they've done and be really helpful and that's been a really great thing to to see is people coming together um, when it's been a very difficult time. What would you say were the biggest challenges for HR people to, to solve? I imagine you must have received so many questions just in the past couple of months but did, did you see a pattern of, of the issues that were you know causing the, the biggest headaches? Well, some of the biggest headaches is that nobody in authority can make up their mind. So countries, had, you know, the World Health Organization, the World Health Organization went back and forth and back and forth on masks. Um, they went back and forth on whether COVID-19 is contagious person to person, which obviously we know it is now, but at the beginning they said it wasn't. And... This leaves, you know, your, your HR person who is not a scientist trying to guess as to what, what really needs to happen and how to put this together. And every morning you wake up and there's new guidance. And because the scientists can't agree and the governments can't agree, a lot of countries that are operating across multiple borders have to come up with entirely different sets of rules for their different offices because countries can't agree on what is important and what is not important. And that's a really stressful thing. Then add to it um, things like employee pay and what's covered and are people 
eligible for unemployment or does the company need to be paying if they're furloughed or how do you deal with childcare with all of the schools being shut down? All of these things um, just are incredibly difficult and they land on HR. I have seen a, a number of uh, companies where the CEO level and the senior leadership level took a really strong stance and you know, decided we're all just going to work from home. We're going to ship you your chairs, your equipment to have good ergonomics. Um, don't feel you have to come back. Obviously, these are sectors in the knowledge economy where people can work from home. But even, you know, shops, I've seen strong leadership, strong stances. But I, I can only imagine how um, challenging it must be if, you know, with all this uh, uncertainty from authorities, you also have maybe senior leadership that are dithering, right? That just don't know what to do. And then you have, you're kind of between the hard place and the rock. Right. And for for businesses that are easily done at home, which there are many, but overall it's less than 50% of jobs that can be done at home on a regular basis. So um, you you come in and say, let's do this. And that's really great. And anytime you can have employees working from home is fantastic, but it also can be quite difficult for the employees. And especially with the childcare situation with schools and daycares closed, what do you do with the kids? I mean, my kids are teenagers and I still had to kick them out um, when I was doing a video conference because they're just, they're normally gone during the day. So they're not used to mom not being available when they're home. But I can't even imagine how difficult it is with toddlers. Yeah. And you've still got to deal with that. And plus, working from home also assumes that you have a place to work from home. Now, if you live in a big house out in the country and you have a separate room for your office, then it's not a problem. If you're like me and you live in the city in a small apartment and I've got, I'm working from home and both of my kids are doing online school, um, there's not a lot of, of spare space to go around. We're all in each other's laps all day. And that's a difficult thing for a, a lot of people. And, you know, I see um, stories of, uh, you know, somebody set up at the kitchen table with the kids on either side doing their schoolwork. But of course, um, you know, your third grader needs mom or dad's input, even though there may be a teacher online or my son's school for the first month of the shutdown didn't do sent home packets of worksheets. Um, there's no way he's doing those without me hovering over yeah. him. And that became a really difficult thing for so many people. And, and I'm not complaining. It's really great that, so many people were able to work from home. But I don't want the idea to be like this is a normal work from home situation. It absolutely was not. 
normally when you work from home, the kids are in school or they're in daycare and it's like being in the office. Um, but in this situation, it was not. Um, would you say that um, we, we, there was a, a leap forward in terms of uh, organizations, employers understanding uh, about the vulnerability of their employees in a sense that I find that still, you know, even it's being 2020, we still, you know, zip on some kind of professional persona and outfit when we go to work and we leave a lot of who we are kind of behind. But now, as you say, um, you know, colleagues and, and uh, team leaders got a glimpse into the lives of people, you know, they may be living in, uh, you know, co co-living with some roommates in a small apartment and not having enough Wi-Fi to go around, or maybe they have some care responsibilities that they haven't, you know, really fully exposed until then. So uh, do you think that this, however, is going to, even though it was very difficult, but this uh, glimpse somehow into people's lives is going to have a lasting mentality shift about how we think of the employees as, you know, not just the ideal worker, but, but also a, a whole person. Well, I hope that it allows us to see people as as whole people. Um, there's one thing that this is really exposed for a good thing in that um, a lot more people and a lot more jobs can be done from home than anybody thought before. And the other thing that is a really good thing that's come out of this is we've learned what agility really is. You know, that's a, a term we like to talk about in business and HR, and look how agile my company is. But defining exactly what that means has always been a little bit murky. And now we really have the chance to see exactly what it means to be agile. You know, we watched companies overnight switch things around. That's agility. You know, they may not have been there at the conference saying, look at our great agile programs, blah, blah, blah. But they did. They switched. Um, schools who switched um, from, from brick and mortar to online, literally within 48 hours, my daughter's school, um, the shutdown started on a Monday, and by Tuesday, all classes were up and running on Zoom. Um, that is something that is a really advantageous thing. We've also seen that um, when when employees say, look, I have a disability and it requires me to work at home and businesses have said, no, your job can't be done from home. Well, now and forevermore, they're not going to be able to say that with a bunch of jobs because we can look back and say, look, we've had this three, four, five month period in which this job was done from home without any problems. So you can't tell me that it doesn't work to have me work from home um, because obviously it can be done. So that's something that's really opened a lot of eyes in you know management circles and hopefully will lead to people 
seeing their employees more as humans and less as, well, we need to do this because this is the way we've always done it. And in, you know, some cultures and where I sit in Switzerland, tradition is, is king. You know, <laughs> this is the way we do it because this is how we've always done it is a super, super Swiss thing to say. Um, and this forced that change. And nobody can say now, well, this is the only way to do it because this is how we've done it for 500 years because suddenly we had to do it differently and it turned out we could. And in addition to that, I also think that the, the view that um, working from home is some kind of perk or a reward, right. uh, you know, was totally thrown out the window and it became an essential instrument in business continuity. Yes. And that also there's a bunch of people that learned through this that they don't like working from yeah. home. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That's okay. And it's okay to say I function better getting up in the morning, showering, getting dressed, and going into an office. Um, and and people learned that. There are people that are like, I cannot wait to get back to the office. This is horrible. And there are other people that are like, yeah, this is an area that I thrive in, having a little bit more flexibility. Then there's also people that learned the downside from working from home. And is that you never feel like you're done with work. Mm. It's always there. There's no separation between your private life and your professional life. It's always hanging over your shoulder. And that can be really difficult. It can be really nice to walk out of the door at the end of the day and say, I am done um, whatever problems appear, I will deal with it nine o'clock tomorrow morning. And when you're working from home, it's much harder to have that boundary. And that can be a difficult thing that some people have learned. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, looking forward a little bit, I'm so keen to, you know, tease out your predictions um, your sense of, of, of how this is going to unfold. So now we're just having summer holidays with schools out officially. Um, so everybody can somehow maybe take some rest and, and reflect. But, you know, September is not that far away and, and somehow life has to go, go back into um, a, a rhythm, a new normal. So how do you see this, this new normal, what it's going to be look like and what kind of challenges it is going to uh, uh, pose to, to HR people? Well, again, we're going to have um, continued challenges with, um, with rules and regulations. And one of the things that uh, the Swiss government has said is that they will not shut down the whole country again. But if there are outbreaks in certain regions or towns, they will shut those down. So while I totally agree that that makes a lot more sense than shutting down an entire country, from a business standpoint, if you're operating in multiple locations, you've got to be able to jump in and out of production. 
and you've got to figure out, okay, so Zurich has an outbreak. We're shutting down production in Zurich. We're shutting down everything in Zurich. Can the Geneva office do that work or do we need to put things on pause? Um, those type of things are going to be uh, big challenges. And I suspect other countries have made the same kind of, of, of uh, decisions that the Swiss government has made, that, which is we're not going to shut down everything again. Um, so that's going to be an ongoing problem. You've still got a lot of people working from home, which is good and bad. And as we as I said earlier, some people really thrive in a work from home environment and some people absolutely positively do not. And some jobs are done really easily from home and some jobs are just not as good. It's possible to do them from home, but you know, if you're in a creative field where there's a lot of back and forth with, um, with coworkers, that's harder to do over a Zoom meeting. It just is. And so you're still going to be dealing with those types of things. None of that is, is going away. And then we all have the fun burden of not really knowing <laughs> what's going on here. And will we ever be virus-free again? Yes, that's what I find the most challenging because I think this COVID thing, what it has done is has robbed us of our ability to plan ahead, which is such a, an important part of psychological safety and, and to be reassured and, you know, know, okay, so by Christmas I'm going to do that and then next summer I can have a nice holiday or, or you know, I'm going to go back to school and do this. But um, this has really upset, I think, um, a lot of the the outlook people's positive outlook and i just think for me you know and kind of my age group you know we're more settled with kids and a routine but for the younger people this must be so hard i think who are just in this blossoming period of their lives just planning ahead and looking ahead and you know having had this great open expanse of opportunities all of a sudden really really restricted that must be very difficult. Well, absolutely. And when you think about <clears throat> people at the start of their careers as well and the going back and forth and can you work in the office and can you not? I mean, I, I've been doing what I've been doing for a long time. <laughs> and I've, I've worked from home exclusively for the past 11 years. And, you know, I'm totally comfortable with that. But if you're new in your field or you're an intern or something, there's a huge difference between seeing someone in the hallway and saying, hey, can I ask you a quick question and making a much more formal request to, do you have time to talk with me on the phone? Um, or you try to do everything awkwardly via instant message. and with instant message, it's a great way to communicate, and especially the younger people uh, really prefer that kind of communication, but you lose tone, um, you don't have the body language, and 
you miss a lot of that essential coaching that happens on the fly when you're all together in an office. So that just becomes a very difficult thing for people. Even just being able to observe others. I remember right. very early in the career, I was thinking, okay, I would like to become like that woman in that office because her mannerisms, the way she handled discussions, the way she would project, and then, but I wouldn't like to become, you know, that woman or that guy because of, you know, how they do it. And I think this in the formative years, just being around and observing, you know, more senior people is, is so important. Absolutely it is. And I, when you said that, it reminded me when I first started my career, um, I started in HR as an analyst and I was in a large company. There were 30,000 employees and I was the only HR person that could do statistics. And because of that, I was often invited to the senior HR team meeting. And, you know, my job was basically to sit there and then only answer specific statistical related <laughs> questions. Um, but I had the opportunity to observe these people who had years and years of experience. Uh, yeah, how they interacted with each other, what the rules of the game were, and having someone explain to you those things you know, in written form doesn't really cut it. No. It, it, it's very, very different. Now, I wanted to also ask you something else uh, and tap into your insight and your sensitivity of, of, of you know, listening and following trends and, and translating that into people profession in the HR world. And I wanted to bring up the Black Lives Matter movement because, you know, obviously that's also important and is happening and it has spilled over into, uh, you know, lots of other countries than just the U.S. So I wanted to ask you whether you think that this flame is, is going to burn and, and have a lasting effect and, and in what way maybe HR and people professionals need to, you know, open their minds or their ears or their hearts and maybe take in some of these messages that are coming. Well, this is um, this is a complicated subject, and and you know you may get people coming after you with pitchforks after I speak. But the problem there's there's a couple of, of really big problems going on. One is that you see companies virtue signaling. They changed their company web page, so it now says Black Lives Matter on the top. And you have um, Hollywood pulling old sitcoms off, off their streaming services, which, you know, with, with particular episodes that we would now consider offensive that weren't at all considered offensive when they ran, but we do now. And those things are really easy to do. It takes five minutes to have your IT guy go in and put a Black Lives Matter banner on the top of your website. It takes five minutes to have your IT guy go delete, you know, season three, episode 23. That's so easy. And it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't make any lasting change. 
And I see a lot of companies doing these virtue signaling things while not changing their internal problems. And by not dealing with cultural differences. And, you know, when we're talking globally, it's very different than when we're talking, you know, in the U.S. where the movement has begun. And, you know, some of the the global differences that we can see, I'm an American, I live in Switzerland. And in America, the Black Lives Matter marches, many of them turned violent. In my town here in Switzerland, we had a Black Lives Matter march. There were 5,000 people. There wasn't even any litter left on the ground. You know, that's yeah. a huge cultural difference. Swiss people, it would never occur to any of them to, to, to do anything violent. Um, and so the movements across the world are going to be seen very, very differently. And then you're going to have conflicts with employees because while everyone agrees the principle that Black Lives Matter, the Black Lives Matter movement is not uncontroversial. You know, some of their things that they are promoting are not what everybody agrees with. And the problem is, is that with the phrasing they've used, if you say, I disagree with the Black Lives Movement, uh, Black Lives Matter movement, what people hear is, I'm a racist. And those things are not true. And it really puts companies into a tight spot because you have activists screaming at you if you don't put up this uh, banner and if you try to just remain neutral in what you're doing. Right now um, in the U.S., the Society for Human Resources Management has chosen to just remain neutral and there's a large group of members that are doing petitions and protesting saying you need to support this Black Lives Matter movement. And you're seeing that division within companies and organizations. It's not an easy thing. It's not going to be a solution. And the solutions that companies are offering, operating with now, you know, putting up your banner, that's not a solution that doesn't change anything so would you say that it would be more honest to say um you know that that companies and, and employers declare or, or highlight their values that we're going to uh, audit our organization for racism or discrimination and you know if we have or if we encounter um, instances we're going to address them and, and try to change the environment. Um, that takes real work, and that's hard. Yeah. Instead that of just jumping not... on the bandwagon, right, and use the branding, but say uh, we're going to do our part, and even if it doesn't necessarily mean we put out the banner, but but we are, you know, going to do the what you say the hard hard work. We're going to do the hard work. And the thing is, is with the hard work, it's not instantaneous. So, you know, you say, okay, let's look at our company and let's run a pay audit and let's make sure we're paying everybody fairly and not based, you know, with no discrimination on race. 
and let's look at where we are located and our, does our staff reflect the makeup of our society and does it reflect the makeup of of what is available because a lot of things that you have to realize is that straight numbers don't necessarily mean you know if your population is 15 percent black it doesn't necessarily mean that you should have 15 percent blacks in your company because it depends on what those skill sets are in in a lot of places in Europe, and especially the black population are first and second generation immigrants. And so it's, it's not saying that, um, it's not like they've been through the same school systems as the white students within there. So it does take a couple of generations for people to build that up. So then you ask the question of, what is our company doing to support education so that students of all races are receiving a quality education? And that's a lot harder, but has a longer lasting impact on making things fair for everyone. So to go in and say, look, you know, our test scores are lower or this percentage of of people are getting into the the top level programs what's keeping that from being the same across all races is it culture is it teachers discriminating is it that we're not giving uh, children support in the early years is it that we're not giving parents support in the early years. Um, you know, one of the things as, a, as an immigrant parent myself, um, under Swiss law, the schools are supposed to provide a translator for me. Um, I have never once had a translator provided in a meeting. And that's fine. I speak German, not a big deal. And um, if I don't know a word, most of the teachers speak quite to English. But while most of the teachers speak pretty good English because it's a required subject in school, they don't speak any Swahili. Yeah. They don't speak any Afghani. Um, they don't speak any Arabic. And those people aren't being provided translators and may not even know that they're legally entitled to them because nobody tells you these things. And you have to figure them out yourself. And that's where companies can really look if they want to make a difference. If you want to have a higher percentage of minorities in your company tomorrow, you need to make sure that the kids today are receiving the education that they need to receive. And if that means having, you know, your your big company make a donation to fund translators for parent-teacher conferences, that's what you've got to do. Um, those things make a difference in the long run. Posting Black Lives Matter on your website does nothing. Mm. And I think it's so important what you just explained, but also for the 
you know the the outside world so people looking in to understand that uh, you know that that this is much more nuanced and and there are other other um, actions that maybe have a lot more um, impact in the longer term than in the short term and 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 judge less about you know others actions so to speak um now time is running of course uh, way too fast here and approaching <laughs> the end of this conversation but before we go to the last question can i ask you suzanne to tell listeners where they can read your blog find out your videos um you know see where how they could maybe get in touch with you Absolutely. So my blog is evilhrlady.org, and um, that's where you'll find all of my archives for everything. And I will also have um, my videos on the sidebar, so you can you can see some of them there. I have a video show that runs every Tuesday morning at... Um, at 3 p.m. Central Eastern Time and 9 a.m. at Central Europe Time and 9 a.m. Eastern U.S. Time. Um, it's called The Real HR Show with my good friend Brenda Neckbottle that you can see. And I have a Facebook group called Evil HR Lady um, where we have about 4,000 HR people who discuss all of these things that I've, I've talked about. And we can really run run by and it's a very helpful organization and you can email me at evilhrlady uh, at gmail.com thank you that's great i'm going to definitely check out the facebook group i i have uh, watched your videos and um you have this fantastic combination of uh, humor and <laughs> sarcasm and incredibly informative uh, content. Oh, thank so, you. <laughs> so that's really great. Now, maybe I can ask you, Suzanne, um, you know, if CEOs, senior leaders listening now, and they would maybe want to put more emphasis on their HR teams or, or on their people and how they can support maybe their HR with these coping with these difficult, challenging times, what would be your advice to senior leaders in terms of the HR functions within their organizations? The, the best advice is that if your people are happy, then they will be engaged in the work. If they are engaged in the work, they will be productive. If your employees are productive, you're far more likely to be profitable. So when your HR manager says to you, this is a problem we need to fix. The employees hate it. Listen, because it's not just about, you know, them trying to, to coddle employees or whatever. It's about trying to make you a profit. Happy employees are profitable employees. So listen to HR. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Suzanne. I really enjoyed this conversation and I wish you really the best of success going forward and and, and wishing you a nice summer and, and uh, let's let's get in touch back again in a year's time and see whether our predictions were right <laughs> and hopefully they were wrong <laughs> yeah that, absolutely hopefully our predictions about how complicated the, the COVID recovery will be where we will be all wrong and that we'll never have any problems again <laughs> <laughs> 
I got a dream, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you so much. Now, I hope you really enjoyed this conversation that I had with Suzanne. For me, it was very insightful, particularly the idea that, um, you know, all of this burden of organizing and responsibility has really fallen on the shoulders of HR professionals. So uh, with that, I would like to just uh, draw your attention to the work we're doing at the WorkLife Hub. We have been also very busy in the past couple of months organizing trainings and webinars for managers and employees who have been shifting to remote work and for those organizations who haven't uh, perhaps uh, worked from home before. So I invite you to go on the WorkLife Hub website and have a look at our training section where we detail the different um, issues and subjects we are uh, deploying training on and see how we can maybe help you so stay safe 